Esme. She's a queen. This is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She's a queen. Go queen. So thank you guys for joining another episode of the Key Chat Podcast. His name is Mr. Preston Dent. He's an author, a film director, a music artist, a music mogul, an actor, and hair care entrepreneur. And I think I probably missed some more things. So let me go ahead and give him the floor and let him introduce himself. So how are you doing? I'm doing fine. You know, I'm just happy to be here today. Happy to be on this interview. You know, just a man of Black excellence. I'm here to uplift people, uplift my community, you know, and make and make a better living for myself and, and raise my kids the right way so that way they can live better than me, you know, mm-hmm. so that way they can grow up better than the way I grew up. Right, right. I definitely, I don't even know where to start. Like I said, you do a lot of stuff. So let's, I guess I can start with asking what drives you to do all these different things. I'm obviously going to go down the list, but I mean, obviously you are the definition of an entrepreneur. I definitely did you automatically start being an independent entrepreneur? Did you automatically start in music? Like, where did you get your start from? Well, besides, you know, my way of living in a, a community or whatever, you know, I started as a rapper, you know, so then rapping led to writing books, then writing books led to writing movies. And, you know, and where I'm from, it's not really, it's not really a, a network here so it's like we got to work extra harder to to be creative and we got to work extra harder to make things happen so that's what made me get into shooting my own films and writing my own films and casting my own movies and and after that you know I said well hey I got to step it up another notch you know and so when I do get my chance because you, you know you seldomly get a chance so when I do get my chance I want to woe somebody so and that's what got me into the hair care I'm like, wow, everybody said people making a lot of money off a of hair, off a of hair product. You know, I'm like, well, I, you know, music, it brings something, but it ain't bringing hair care product money. So I said, well, let me try that. I knew somebody that could mix it up and, you know, I figured out some ingredients, some nice natural ingredients and, and the person mixed it up for me and it actually turned out to be real good. And that's how I got in the hair product. And you're from Atlanta, right? No. I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, but I grew up in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, let's yeah. start with now with rapping. So with the research that I did, I saw that you opened up for several acts such as The Lots, Young Guns, Tierra Marie, Fabulous, Trey Songs, Young Jeezy, Yo Gotti, Nicki Minaj. Like when? Yeah. How long have you been rapping? I mean, I've been rapping since you know, since 2001. Like, I've been in the music game since 2001. So, you know, I got artists, I got artists. You know, pretty much like where I'm from, we got the longest running label. You know, we like the elders of the hip-hop scene here. 
And, you know, we, we did a lot of things here. We, you know, we set the blueprint and set the tone for a lot of the younger musicians and a lot of the younger artists to follow. And did you always have a desire to be a rapper, like when you were a kid? Nah. See, as a kid, you know, I was like a writer. I used to write little girls' love poems, and I used to almost make them cry with little love poems. I always knew I was a writer. So when I was in the streets or whatever, I was like, man, I got to change. I can't continue living like this. And and what's the next thing to being a street dude? And that was and that was rapping to where I could still have my street aura. And, you know, and that, and that was to be a rapper. You know, so rappers just like street guys. So that, that's what kind of made me inspired to be a rapper. I wasn't born a rapper. I had to learn how to rap. But I was born a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in addition to being in music, you also are an author, a film director, actor. (laughs) When did you transition from music to film? To film? Well, I transitioned from music to books first. Okay. Okay. So how I transitioned from, from music to books? Well, I was supposed to perform in front of a high school, in front of some kids. But, you know, I ain't had no positive songs or no positive messages to really perform. So in order for me to perform in front of this high school, I had to come up with a positive message. So when I came up with a, me- a story, a message, I said, wow, this message is strong. I said, you know what, this would be a crazy book. I said, what if I wrote this? Because matter of fact, because the, the story was longer, I said, wow, well, I got to write this story in the 16 bars for a song. I said, so once it was longer, I said, wow, this would be a great book. And so that's what made me write the, my, the rap into a book. Hmm. Okay. That's how and, I got into writing books. And how many books have you written so far? I know you have a new book that we're, ta- that we're going to talk about, but how many books have you written so far? Total, I got five. That's completed. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the first one. I know like you have a book that is named after people, like some of the books. Like, so what was the background with some of those books? Well, my first book was called David. It was called David. I mean, it's not a real story. It was just my imagination. But at the time, it's about a young kid living with HIV. And and at the time, it was like a young kid in my area that was running around with HIV, just giving girls, you know, he was purposely giving girls HIV. So that's what motivated, that's kind of what made me want to, you know, get with that story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that story was real heartfelt. It was real painful. And it touched a lot of lives. Like, we did a lot of campaign, and we did Know Your Status, AIDS Awareness campaigns. Like, you know, I did events in my city to where 60 people got tested in the community, you know, to where people really don't want to get tested for that. And, you know, being as though me, I had 60 people came to my event and got checked. So it's kind of like accomplishment. I've been on news stations talking about it. I actually had to educate myself about it and learn about it, you know, so that way I could teach people and tell people when I'm doing these campaigns. So my first book was like a real big push behind it, behind the whole Know Your Status AIDS Awareness campaign. It opened up a lot of doors for me to talk about it, a lot of radio interviews, a lot of blogs and stuff like that. Wow, that's good. That's great that, you know, just you thinking to write this book led to that. So that's a definitely true purpose. What about the other books that you've written before, the new one that we're going to talk about? The new, this one is called Claudette, Heart of Atlanta. Okay. And it's, I lived in Atlanta for seven years. 
And so when I lived in Atlanta, for some reason, I thought I was going to a good area <laughs> and I went to a bad area. Cause you know, it, it looks good down there. It looks nice as green grass, you know, it got trees up north, green grass and trees, you somewhere in the suburbs up north, you know? So it was different down there. So when I moved into a, a little harder place down there, it was this girl down there. You know, she was like, she was a, a gay female and she, but she was a gangster. You know, she was a gangster. Like she was like hustling, you know, like robbing people, you know, breaking into houses. And that's what inspired me to write that story. Mm, okay. So wait, break down some more about this story. I want to hear some uh, more about this story. Break down some more about this story. Yes, it's well. She, well, her mom. I put my own story to it, even though I know the girl. The girl is my home girl. You know, I'm saying, even though I know the girl, like I, I didn't make it her story. I just used that as a, you know, as a motivation. But mm-hmm. the story is about you know the girl. She's young. She gets this own. She gets this own by her mom. Like her mom, like kicked her out. She's only 13. Her mom left her in the streets to fend for herself. And so, girl, she got to find a way. You know, she's beautiful, young girl, beautiful, pretty, you know, dark skin, you know, good hair. She's like beautiful. And, and she's in the community and, and it's an older gang member. He's like, hold on once, you can't be out here like that. I'm going to show you a different way. Even though I'm a gang member, I'm going to show you the positive way. But as he was guiding her, she didn't, she fell in love with his, his negative lifestyle. And so she just goes into a whole, a whole way of living to get back at her mom. You know, she hates the world. You know, ain't nobody accepting her for who she is and what she believes in her sexual preference. So she's mad at the world. So to get even with her mom, she goes on a killing on a killing spree. You know, she's pretty much murdering anybody to step on her toe. And, and once the only person that loved her, which was her little brother, he was the only person that loved her for real. Once he got killed because of the things she was doing, then, that's, then it was just all out right there. It was all out. Now her whole mission was to, to come back and kill her mom. Mm. That, that was her whole mission is to come back, get strong enough, get powerful enough to come back and kill her mom. And, and that's how that story goes. Those are some oh, serious stories. Story. Huh? <laughs> story so what's yeah, the other books you read? Well, uh, the one book called Cardia is called Cardia Rise of a Sex Slave. And with that, I did I did campaigning and all that too. Well, you know, with sex slave and uh, human trafficking and all that. That's what it's about. It's about human trafficking. It's about a girl. She's uh she's from Russia, but somehow she gets sold and shipped to America. And so she's she gets into prostitution and all that type of stuff to uh, live on, you know, just to survive. And she's just going through one thing after another, and you know, eventually she finds herself back in Russia. You know, to find her mom and dad and all that type of stuff. And, and that's Cardia. So that's about human traffic. I did campaigns about that also. New station interviews. So when you write books like this, is that the intention from the beginning is to also like do something to help people? You know, as far as like you've obviously touched on HIV um sex trafficking so are those the goals and the motives behind the books to bring awareness to yeah so when i think to write a book i think of you know like of what impact can it leave on people i think if i touch one person i did a good job so my mission when i write a book is to always touch somebody 
is to always have a, a powerful story, a powerful message that, you know, that people can remember forever. You know, I'm not gonna write a story just to say, hey, bubble gum tasted good. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not that type of writer. Like I have to be able to touch you. I have to bring emotion out of you. I have to let you feel a pain or or some type of feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what about the other books? I know you have the brand new one. It's called Cargan, right? Cargon. <laughs> Cargon. Okay. So what's so let's talk about the new book too. But I want to also know about what other books have you written other than, you know, are there any more that you've written before this new one? Well, okay, I got David One, David Two, Kadia, Claudette, and then I got Cargon, the Evil Fairy. Okay, okay. So Cargon would be my first fantasy. Okay, yeah, I saw the book cover and I was like, okay, he's going deep with this one. So have mm-hmm. you already had like a goal to say, hey, let me write something completely different, like out of your normal genre? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking like, well, I always liked Twilight and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. I always was like fascinated by them type of movies. And so, you know, I knew it was in me. I said, well, damn. And then actually the 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 book was a dream. I had a dream about some fairy. For some reason, I don't know what it was, but I had a dream about some evil fairy. And I woke up and hurried up and wrote down what I could remember. And I said, you know what? I'm about to write this. I'm about to turn this into a book. And then... I wrote it into a book. Okay, okay. So what's the complete storyline behind it? I know you said you, you know, are in the Harry Potter, which that's something I honestly could never get into as Harry Potter, even though when I was growing up, I was into stuff like the never ended story, things like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's one book I just, and movie, of course, that my kids were into it. But what, so what's, what is Cargon like as far as, what what's the actual character? Like, let's get into you know the deepness of it. Well, well, Cargon, he was once you know a handsome, good fairy. He was once a handsome, good fairy, and and you know it's fairy gods and all this. So the fairy gods put a love potion on him and the queen because they want they had they had you know this is supposed to be the beginning of the fairy race. So it also you know from all the fairies like this is supposed to be the beginning of them, and so the fairy gods put together a potion that way that they will love each other forever. So they had one rule. If any fairy were to turn evil, they'd be sent to the dark side of the planet. So Cargon turns evil. He turns evil when his wife is forced, his queen is forced to send him, to extradite him to the evil side of the planet. So when he goes to the evil side of the planet, his motive, you know, his will and everything he wants to do is to get back and get revenge for his wife betraying him and and he wants to come back to the good side of the planet and destroy the good side of the planet. Hmm. So, with all, so with all that going on, then he finds out that the queen was pregnant with his daughter. So he, but now he wants to say, damn, I got a daughter over there. Now I got to go back and get the fairy princess. So when he's on the evil side of the planet, he's, you know, his creatures over there, his evil creatures, you know, spawns, medusas, all that type of stuff. And, he, and, he, and he's trying to make a strong army. So he's, he's like mating with the evil creatures and creating the species. So out of the out of the species, it was like a miracle kid. It was one creature that was like creature but had good blood in it. And he was the only creature that was strong enough to fight Pargon. So the, the good the good creature he wanted to go to the good side of the planet and find love, 
find sunlight, find peace. So once he realized that he had good blood and was able to go to the good side of the planet, because all the creatures, they couldn't get past the sunlight. You know, if they touch the sunlight, they had perish. So he goes over there and falls in love with the fairy princess, and they become an item and miles the war. So what? Yeah, it's a deep, deep. It's deep, you know. It's it was something different for me, you know. So I couldn't add like the real pain of the, you know, of our of the way we live. But in their little world, you know, I added a little bit of pain in, in the fantasy world. Though. Yeah, that is very deep. It was That's challenging. Like, so, like, how did you? I mean, I know obviously you said you always wanted to write something different like this, but what was the process in putting it together, and how long did it take you to write this? Because it seems like you have to pull real deep in your imagination for this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it actually don't take me long to write a book. Mm -hmm. it don't actually take me long. Like, I pretty much see the story in my head, and, and then I just always go from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z with whatever story I write. So, you know, I do my homework on it. And, and what I do is I put myself in that place. So for like, while I was writing it, I was actually putting myself to be a fairy. You know, and I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I try to put myself into the character. Yeah. And I try to train my mind to think how this evil fairy would think, how this good fairy would think. And, and that's the process that I, that I take to write. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I mean, especially since you also have an acting background and film directing. So I want to get into that. So how did you end up, you know, in films and acting? Well, with the films, you know, I mean, I sh I'm a rapper, so I, I do a lot of music videos. So acting, I had to act in the music videos. So I already knew I could act. But what happened was when I was coming up with all these stories, I knew I couldn't write all of them into books. It's not enough time in a day to write 40 or 30 books. So once I discovered that I could write a movie and I could write a short, I could turn my story into a short film, write a synopsis of it, you know, then that's when I started writing the movies. And, and it cost so much for people to want to shoot it. So I said, man, I got to learn how to do this myself. I said, if I could direct, if I can cast, if I could do all that type of stuff, that's less money I got to pay people. You know, I'm a mm -hmm. hustler, so I'm always thinking how to have the advantage of, you know, with my financial freedom or whatever. So I said, man, I got to learn how to do this myself. And mm -hmm. that's when I learned how to do it. I shot my first film, I casted it, I directed it, I wrote it, I wrote screenplay, and I starred in it. Now, what which one was that? Because I did see your movie roster, so which one was that? Yeah, that was Twisted Morals. Okay. I got I got Twisted Morals and I got Alcoholic Roots. Well, Twisted Morals actually somebody directed that the Twisted Morals, but I wrote it and all that type of stuff and did the casting mm -hmm. and I and I produced it, but I didn't mm -hmm. actually direct that one. But I watched the director direct that, and then for this one, I said, okay, I could do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said mm -hmm. I could do that. So then right. the next movie, next movie, I, I directed that, you know, casted it and did all that stuff. Okay, so tell us about Twisted Morals. You know, it's no, it don't really know, you know, it ain't like a John Q type of movie with a real storyline on it. it. You know, it's pretty much just some, you know, just some regular street stuff. Now, mm -hmm. alcoholic, now, alcoholic Bruce, that's more, 
Uh, it's a comedy. Mm -hmm. so it's, about, it's about this alcoholic guy. The guy's an alcoholic, but he's a comedian. So he got he got three baby mamas. They all live next door to each other in the same neighborhood. And he's just a wild boy. And, you know, it's just funny. It's just a funny thing. You know, if you want to laugh, you want to, you know, some jokes and all that, see some jokes and you'll know, see a bunch of crazy guys running around. That's the movie for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what made you write Alcoholic Bruce? Well, what made me see, because it's hard to get actors. Everybody in my area is want to be a rapper. Like everybody's a rapper. Every their mom, every mom, dad, sister, uncle, brother, little cousin, everybody's a rapper. So nobody is not enough actor. So when you find an actor, you got to pretty much base it around him. Mm -hmm. So this guy, his name's Jamil Peterson. Very funny guy. Very funny guy. Him, he was an alcoholic. He was going through all types of alcoholic type stuff. You know, so I just based that around him because I had him. I knew that he was hungry. I knew that he was dedicated. I knew that he was motivated. On top of that, he was very talented. So that's why I just put all the, you know, the eggs in the basket behind him. And, okay. and, and it turned out pretty good. Especially for the second okay. film. Okay. So what's the other movies? How many have you done total? Two. I got two films that you know that I produced, but I, I acted in a few other uh, movies. Now I do, I shoot what you call like movie. I call them movieos. Mm -hmm. If I like my music video, I put a movie to my music video. Okay. And I five of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's a lot easier for me to shoot a, a movie to my music videos than than as far as getting put together a whole casting team, putting together a whole director. You know, then financing the budget for all that. You know, because I pay for everything myself. Like I don't, I don't get no help. I don't ask for no help either. You know, yeah. I just, yeah, I just get it straight out the mud. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but I got like five of them though. Wow, that's a lot. So obviously, you've done the books, you've done music, <laughs> and you've done film. So, in addition to all of your businesses you also are a music manager and the hair care entrepreneur so let's talk some about a little bit about your artists like what made you decide to become a manager as opposed to is was, was it because of some things you learned as being an artist trying to help people maybe prevent some pitfalls yeah well you know I always had some little young little artists around me you know from, from the beginning I always had younger artists around me and, but to now, I finally got artists that signed under my label. You know, I got female artists. I got two female artists that signed under my label. And, you know, they just, you know, the one is doing good. She's a little bit more developed. And, you know, she does hair herself. And, you know, we working her. Her name's Casberry. And, you know, so we're trying to get her to the next step. And hopefully she can take off. I mean, because me personally, I don't want to be the guy jumping around on the stage too. I want to be the guy behind the scenes. You know, a lot, a lot come, a lot come with stardom, a lot come with fame, a lot come with it. You know, so you could be, you can have a whole bunch of stardom and no money. Oh yeah. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Like I want to be the guy with a bunch of money and no stardom. Right. You know, I started, I started out wanting the fame, the attention. You know, I wanted that. Like it was like an adrenaline rush. But as I'm getting older, it's like, man, I just want the money for real. Right. You know, I want 
money and I want to help other people be successful. I want to help the younger generation achieve what they want to achieve. You know, I just want to mm-hmm. be, a, you know, I just want to be a part of something great mm-hmm. and help and help it become great. You know, if I could put my expertise, put my knowledge for all the money that I put in that I learned off of, from all the losses that I learned off of, and you know, I, I want to put that into someone young so that way they don't have to make the same mistakes I made. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, right. Yeah, I want to be their guide. Like they shouldn't have mm-hmm. to lose lose all the money to uh to learn what I had to learn. Right, right. Well, that's smart. What are what are some of the most biggest common I would say pitfalls maybe that happens to new artists? Because I I mean I've heard a lot of negative things about the music industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the music industry is a devilish game. The music industry is a devilish game, and, and you got to have thick skin. Mm-hmm. You got know, you got to be prepared to know what comes with it, because if you, if you ain't prepared to 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 deal with what comes with it, then this game ain't for you. Because mm-hmm. this is a devilish game. Yeah. You know, you know you got you got rich, rich intelligent thieves. You know you got you know it's it's, it's a it's a pot full of everything in this music game. Right. You no, know, so. You got you got to be prepared and know what comes with it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common mistakes, like specifically, that you found that you know new people that's joining the industry maybe definitely have no clue about? They don't know how to handle. What would you say is some of the one of the biggest things that happens, mistakes that may happen for for new artists? Well, the biggest I, I would say the biggest mistake that happens for new artists is that you know it's ten percent music and then the rest business, right? So most so most rappers, they come with a talent and they don't want to learn the business of it. So, so I say the, the first mistake that an artist make is not learning the business, is not getting their business together. You know, not 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 getting all, you know, getting your LLCs, getting your copyrights, getting all that type of stuff together before, you know, you want to get out there. Mm-hmm. And that's a common mistake that a lot of people make. Right. You know, you got to get the business together first. You have to. Right. That's like some, I don't know who said it, but some some famous person I know said in the word show business, business is the bigger word. You know? yeah. yeah, business is everything. Like, right. Your business, your business, uh, you know, it, it'll take you a long way if you got your business together. More than your talent, actually. Yeah. Because everybody's a rapper. You, you can go to you can go to any street corner in America and find a, a, a person that can rap some cute little words, put together some cute little phases and you know, and sing or whatever. You can find that on every corner in America right now. Right. The only thing separating them is the business, the hunger, the grind, and the connection and the network. Right. So so, so that's what it's about. Right. I agree. I think that most industries in general are oversaturated, but it a person's success depends upon their intelligence, you know, actually learning the business side of everything. There's a business side of every single industry that you want to hop in. So I agree with that part. So I want to talk about your other level of entrepreneurship is the hair care business. So what made you decide to do? You have a kid's hair care line called Zuri Glow. So let's talk about that. So what inspired you to do that? Well, I, I got this, I got this daughter. It's my first daughter. So I got I got three sons and I got a daughter. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that's like a big thing to me because I've always had boys and I think I can make girls. So <laughs> I always told myself when I have a daughter, like I'm going to name everything got her. <laughs> you know, so her name is Prejour. Mm-hmm. And, and we call her Zori. Mm-hmm. So that's why I came up with Zori Glow. Okay. Yeah, so the 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 shampoo, it's an all-natural shampoo, got all-natural everything in it, manupu, honey. It's got all, all, all natural things in it. And you know, and it's in her name. So like she got 50% on it. Like all my kids, they got royalties to my music. Like, cause I think of generational wealth. Like if something were to ever happen to me, I don't want my kids to have to fight for nothing that I've done. Right. I want, I want their names to already be there. They already getting everything that I left behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like all my old records, all my CDs that I got, my kids' names is on them. And, and I've been working on that, trying to prepare, you know, for, you know, because you never know what happens tomorrow. Right. You know I mean? So, like, I want to make sure that everything is locked and loaded for my kids, you know, because I live for them. Mm-hmm. I've been a guy out there running around, you know, doing what and who knows. Right, right. Now, as yeah. far as the technical side, though, of starting the hair care business, mm-hmm. and for children, obviously, too, right? Is it straight up for kids? Uh, no, it's not. No, it's for anybody. But the okay. kids is the presentation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I know I was like you said you name it after your daughter. Did you just basically say, hey, I would say in our community, hair care is a big thing. So was that one of the inspirations that you had? Because hair care is that hair care is money. Okay. So is yeah. that one of the things that made you think to say, hey, let me get my hand in that pot too? Yeah. Well, I was all you know I was I was looking at Gucci man. I see them doing the, the you know the lip gloss. I mean the lip stuff and. I'm looking at all these people. I'm like, man, people, they achieving with this hair, you know, with that hair care world, you know, so, and, and, and wasn't nobody in my area doing that. I see little girls, that got the hair wigs, you know, everybody making shirts, putting their logos on shirts, you know, but ain't nobody coming up with no, no shampoo and conditioner in my area. So I said, that's, you know, I could tackle that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I got the resources. I did my homework on it and, and I tackled it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and what and what's crazy is I don't know if this sounds weird, but I've been doing music for 20 years, right? And I've been doing hair care for four months, and I made triple the amount of money in hair care in the four months that I did in music in 20 years. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's a no-brainer for me to go head first into the into the shampoo and conditioner. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I blame you. So what are all the different products that you have? That well, as far as hair care? Mm-hmm. I just got the shampoo and conditioner as of right now. Wow. So you just have the shampoo and conditioner, no edge control, none of that. And you wow, you're making a killing. Well, I'm working on uh I'm working on getting the little serum for the uh I guess like that you put on afterwards and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get that together. But I got to yeah. get down to Atlanta and get around people that's more into that. So that way I could really put my ideas to work. Right. Well, you know, Atlanta is the land of hair care for sure. Yeah, exactly. You have to go back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take everything that, everything I learned from them and come back up here and make the money off of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. What keeps you motivated to do all these things? Obviously, you say your children, but just being an entrepreneur doing all these different things, I mean, you have to have some level of a balance. Do you ever find some time to rest? Are you one of those people that just works 24-7? 
I mean, I try to get my rest in, but my family and everybody say, man, you need to get some rest. You need to, you know, get some sleep or whatever. But after being told that I couldn't do it for so long, it's like, man, I can't stop until I do it. Mm-hmm. After being told that I was nothing, you know what I'm saying? Because see, when I was younger, I got shot and I died for like two minutes. So the mm-hmm. doctors always told me that, you know, once once I got to 30, that, you know, I was going to be in a rough condition. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I was living off of spare time. I always felt like, damn, I got to hurry. I always had this in my mind, like, damn, I got to do this before I turn this age because I don't know what I'm going to be at that age. So that mm-hmm. hunger was always, just always made me hungry, hungry for everything I wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. I always thought I was on spare time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so wow. that's where my hunger and motivation come from. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, what would you say to somebody who, like you said, you were told you were nothing at one point in life, but you've obviously succeeded. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a common, typical thing, unfortunately, for a lot of our young Black males. You know, they don't have anyone to build them and lift them up. You know, they receive all these negative labels put on them from the world alone, but also internally from our own people, too. So what would you say to that young man that will tune in who's been, you know, he feels like he can't win. He's been put down. He's living in a world where we're race alone for a young black man, you know, puts them on another field, you know, because of the way that the society may treat him. So what say to that young black man because I feel like mindset changes everything but right now we're going through a terrible time where I feel like you know my heart breaks for young black men you know I'm a mother of a 20 year old son you know what I'm saying so it's just a it's a situation where I think collectively we all are afraid for our young black men but we want the best for them so what would you say for you know that young black male that may watch this to just motivate them and inspire them I mean, your story alone is inspirational, but what would you say to give them that push? Well, first thing I tell him, I say, listen, man, as long as you got breath, as long as you breathing, as long as you wake up in the morning, you got a chance. Mm-hmm. When they take your breath away, when you don't wake up in the morning, then you got something to worry about. But as long as you got breath, as long as you could breathe, you got another, you got a chance out there. And know that everybody, every, you got people that's going to love you, people going to hate you. You can't stop that. I mean, they hate they hate Michael Jordan. They hate Jesus. He done walked on water. They hate Michael Jackson. He done moonwalked on the moon. You know, so they're going to hate you no matter no matter what. You're going to have someone that hates you. You're going to have somebody that loves you. Mm. So as long as you love yourself, you got to overly love yourself. Like, overly love yourself. Like, love yourself more than anybody can ever love you. You know, you got to, and you can't let nobody penetrate. You can't let nobody's opinions, can't let nobody's thoughts, you can't let nobody's views stop you from being who you want to be. And never let nobody make you become them. Mm. Never let nobody make you become them. You know, because if you can't go to the bathroom and look in the mirror and be happy of who you are in the mirror, you lost. You know, so you got to keep that faith. So you know, that's what I tell my sons, man, like, listen, never let nobody break you. You know what I'm saying? You know, look a man in the eye when you talk to him. You know what I'm saying? Respect those that respect you. And in his life, you're going to have to allow, you're going to have to let somebody step on your shoe. Mm. You can't fight every war. You can't fight everybody that look at you wrong. You can't fight everybody that, 
that walk past you and bump your shoulder. Because if you do, you have a million bodies. Mm -hmm. You have a million murders if you kill everybody that does something to you in this lifetime. So in order to get, you know, in order to live to a certain age, you got to be willing and be humble and be smart enough to know I can't fight every war. Mm. No. And that goes a long way. Oh, yeah, that's powerful. And you touched on something that I always talk about on this show, which is self-love. So one of the last questions I want to ask you is to just direct it towards you personally. I know you said with your upbringing, you know, wasn't that great. You were told you were nothing. How did you get? And I feel like self-love, I say it on every episode, self-love is the key to overcome everything, you know, this is your mindset, but you have to love yourself and to know, hey, I'm worthy of being an actor, a film director, a music artist, an entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying? So what did, where did you get to that stage where you looked at yourself and said, okay, Preston is worthy. Preston is going to beat these odds. You know, I know you said what the, the sentence the doctor gave you, but yeah. how did you incorporate that self-love? You know what I'm saying? Like, when did you learn to really love yourself in order to become what you become? Well, I really learned to love myself when, when I went to prison. Mm -hmm. See, when I was younger, I kind of, you know, I, I survived a, a, you know, a wound to the lungs and to the chest. So I survived that. So I kind of felt like I was invincible in a sort. But see, but then once I went to prison, I lost everything. My girlfriend left me. You know, my friends didn't write me. You know, I was a lonely place. So then I, I had the time to discover, like, yo, you know, I'm, I'm a regular, you know, I'm normal. Like, like, I'm not better than him. I'm not better than her. I'm just better at myself. You know, so that's where I discovered to where, you know, I got to go out here and be something. I got mm -hmm. to go out here and be somebody because this person I'm in the cell with, he ain't never coming home. He don't got a second chance. He don't even want me in the cell with him because my time is so short. I only did a year and a half in jail. And I'm in the cell with a dude that got 60 years. He, he, he don't even want me in the cell. Mm. So, you know, I'm like, wow. So that opened my eyes up like, man, I'm not trying to be him. This jail thing ain't for me. And I haven't been back since. Mm -hmm. you know, How like, old you went to jail? I was 21. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, I was 21. Mm. So I haven't been back since. That's a true second chance. Because, I mean... How many young black men have gone to jail at 21, but they have gone back? You know, so that's a real, that's a true testimony. Yeah, like all my friends are in, all my friends are in jail. They're either dead or in jail. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and you know, I just move. I try to move a different way. I, I try because mm -hmm. if you don't get out the way, they're going to get you out the way. Yeah. So you have to stay out the way in today's society. You know, everybody's mm -hmm. angry right now. Everybody has a hot head everybody's on the edge yeah so you know you just got to move a certain way i mean stay positive and stay humble and just stay humble right everybody's arrogant everybody got a chip on their shoulder you know what i'm saying and that's when everybody clashes you know so you just got to mm -hmm. stay humble right right so before we end everything i want to ask you something different i always ask someone a definition how do you define and I tell someone to please, you know, the guests to make, give their own take on something. But just from the conversation that we've had, I feel like you're an example of fighting the odds. So how would you define fighting the odds? 
I define fighting the odds like, like you gotta go against the grain. You gotta go against the grain. Like, you know, you you, you gotta keep that fight in you. You know, I, you know, like I tell people, man, like they, you know, they gonna tell you that you can't do it. They gonna tell you that you too slow to run. You know, they gonna tell you that you too short to play basketball. They gonna tell you that you ain't big enough to play football. But you gotta fight them odds though. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta know what you can do. You gotta, you gotta know your weaknesses and you gotta know your strengths. Like, cause everybody got weaknesses. Everybody has a weak, nobody's perfect. So everybody has a weakness. Everybody has a strength. So like, and, and one day in life, you're going to like, you're going to have to embrace your, your weaknesses just as well as your strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to accept your weaknesses. You have to, because you're not, nobody's perfect. God didn't make nobody perfect. You know, God gave everybody the ability to get better. Mm-hmm. So that's how I fight. I think, you know, fight the odds. You know. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like it really can inspire, you know, specifically our young brothers that will tune in and listen and watch this. You know, your true example, like you said, fighting those odds and not becoming a statistic and not falling into the traps, you know, and these labels that society puts on our young kings. So I really do appreciate you for sharing that story. But before we end everything, go ahead and tell everybody, like I said, you have so much going on. Tell everybody how they can get your books. (laughs) Tell them, you know, how they can find your website, how they can get your hair care products. Go ahead and shoot out all your information. Well, look, you can, you can check me out at www.whopreston.com. You know, it's a one-stop shop there. You know, you can see you can see pictures. So you can see my music videos. You can see my movies. You can see, you can get my hair product. And also I got a, a dog kennel. I got German Shepherds puppies. If you want to get some puppies, you can go in there and get the puppies. You know, I'm breeding dogs. So it's a one-stop shop on my website. You can go there, like I said, www.whopreston.com. If you want to check me out on Facebook, Preston Dent, you know, I'm telling you all my real name. I don't got nothing to hide with my name. I tell people my real name because, you know, it's a real man behind the name. You want to go to Instagram, it's Preston the Hustler because I stand for the hustler guys, you know. So I'm, I'm easy to find, man. If you want to look for me, you know, just check me out. See how you slid in the other business with the dogs? I told you it's probably something else that you was doing. <laughs> I know I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I don't knock it. I'm not mad at you. I love it. Like I said, I love people that do different streams. I'm the same way. Like I said, people that don't know outside of this podcast, I have several other businesses. I I love talking to entrepreneurs. That's the way to live. That's true Black excellence. The fact that we can move on up and have our own way of living. So like I said, I commend you. Hats off to you. So guys, thank you guys for joining the key chat once again Preston is a true example of just number one he mentioned loving himself okay and he also just mentioned see y'all <laughs> see look how you threw that in <laughs> he <laughs> himself and look listen you listen to his story all the things <laughs> that he's gone through and I tell people all the time it doesn't matter what you have been through this conversation just another example this man had a death sentence He's been behind these four walls and look at him. He still has done so many things. I couldn't even read out the list. And he still sat there and slid in yet another business. So you can do anything <laughs> you have to put your mind to. All you have to do is love yourself 
because loving yourself lets you know that you're valuable, you're worthy, you can achieve anything, anything you put your mind to, you can achieve it. Like I always say, the only person that will stop you from achieving that goal is the person in the reflection in the mirror. So guys, make sure you love yourself and go ahead. You can check out this episode. It'll be streaming on YouTube and also on all audio platforms. All you have to do is go to thekeychat.com and you'll be able to access this wonderful interview as well as past others. But guys, make sure, be safe, follow your dreams and go love yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Go queen, go queen, go queen, go. Represent, you're a queen, you're a queen, oh.